yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, Alexandra, you know, just a brief on um, kind of your life, I guess, not like the whole thing growing up, but just that aspect of yourself and then what maybe kind of uh, got you most interested in covering the topics of today and the craziness in the world. Yeah, so I've always been interested in natural health. So that's something that I've always researched really heavily since I was probably like 16, 17 years old. And then when I went to university, I was studying political science and I was being taught what I believe to be total nonsense. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was being taught uh, socialism, democratic socialism, the benefits of Marxism. And for my parents who were born in communist Poland and grew up in communist Poland, if you say Karl Marx around them, they scoff and they get very offended. And so I was living in these two different worlds, basically, where I was taught that, you know, Marxism and socialism is a way to bring about equality and fairness amongst the world. Meanwhile, my parents would always tell me about the millions of deaths that resulted because of these ideologies. Mm -hmm. So that was something that initially woke me up. And then going into, you know, everything that's happening in Canada right now, um, through those experiences in university and what I was being taught there and what I realized wasn't true, I was better able to pick up on stuff in the media that I believed to be uh, manipulated as well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah. And so you're both your parents are from Poland, though. Yes. Right. Uh, and they've experienced the end result of fascism, right, from Germany and World War II in the 1930s and 40s, uh, but even before that, and then afterward with the Soviet Union, yeah. right, and communism, mm-hmm. and how it's, it's, they're both on the, the leftist totalitarian uh, ideology, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you're, in some ways, I would probably say your extended family and ancestry have been uh, directly affected through violence, government instituted violence, right? Exactly, exactly. So yeah, my, yeah tell us a little bit. Yeah, so even my, my grandfather, I mean, he was really fervently fighting against communism in Poland and he was actually arrested because he had hacked into the television stations in Poland and was basically uh, po- posting these anti-propaganda messages, right? And it was called Solidarność, the Solidarity, solidarity Movement. And he was arrested and imprisoned for that. And, and he spent a lot of time there. And it was fortunately for Poland versus what is happening today, people were aware of what was going on. Yeah. Um, no, no one believed in the communist mo- movement. No one was supportive of it. And so there was this you know, underground conspiracy going on all the time where people were trying to get out of that collectively. So, so yeah. Yeah, that's, that's insane because... Um... You know, uh, what do you think would be, because you lived in Poland, you know, uh, as well, you know, you're not just somebody who was born, because you were born in Canada, both Mm -hmm. parents from Poland, but you did spend your, you know, some part of your youth there. Yes. Um, And maybe you weren't political or anything like that. Maybe you didn't acknowledge that. But what would you say is a way that Poland kind of exited communism or like recovered from this government tyranny? And then what do you think about the situation? Just, I know we're gonna talk about Canada. But what do you think overall about how how Poland escaped that historically? And then what what do you think about this country now? Like it seems like they're very nationalist. Seems like they're very you know self preserving overall. Their culture is. What do you what, what are your thoughts on Poland right now? 
Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of fighting. Like people, you know, my mom would tell me stories about how in university there were tanks in the streets. And if you went out to protest, they would spray you down basically with, with water. And my mom told me this story about how she got kind of targeted by this tank, like sprayed with water and she was thrown against a brick wall. And, you know, they had more access to alcohol than they had to water. And so people, people really fought against this. Like they didn't want to live in this tyranny. And obviously when the Berlin wall fell, um, that's kind of when it all ended there. So, um, but yeah, they had to suffer greatly and, and they couldn't access so many things that people um, in Canada and the States were able to access. So um, a lot of people escaped as well. Uh, my father actually studied in East Germany and he escaped to Sweden before he came to Canada. But um, there was a huge exodus of Europeans that wanted to flee to both Canada and to the United States. So, and that was yeah. both your parents, did they know each other in Poland and then escape together or did they meet each other in Canada? Yeah, so my biological father and my mother escaped together to Toronto. And then my stepfather, he was actually in Canada earlier. He came in the 70s um, and he was the one who went through Sweden into Canada. Wow, so yeah. they were refugees essentially of communism. Yeah, yeah. Right, and, and, mm-hmm. it's, and that was like, you know, you're 26, so this was a few decades ago, you know what I mean? Yes. And now we're in a world today where uh, people are trying to escape Canada because of communism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is communism, but it wouldn't be openly called communism, but anyone who's got a yeah. brain and knows history knows that what's happening there now is total authoritarianism, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, okay, and so before we even get into that, one last question is really for you personally, is what, was, what would you say is one of your major red pill moments where you took the red pill, you, you saw something, you noticed something, you experienced something that was kind of an awakening moment and you kind of never looked back. Cause you, cause, and I want to mention this about Alexandra. Uh, she's a, she's a model literally. She's beautiful. You know, she comes from this world of fashion and, and this world of beauty. And, you know, it's, it was, it's easy for her to just stay in that world of, you know, materialism essentially. Right. And just worried about like, their photos on Instagram or something when like the whole world crumbles around her. Right. So she could easily have stayed in that way. So to me, I I wanted to know that question, which is like, what would you say is one of your major awakening moments? For me, waking up was a very gradual journey and it took many years, but I think the moment that I really, really realized that so much of our world and so much of what we believe in is fabricated was truly through this COVID crisis you know, now I look at the media and I don't believe anything they say. I look at press releases from our, uh, we only have liberal media in Canada. We have like one conservative um, uh, news station that's always being censored, right? Like a Fox but, News light. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for us, it's called Rebel News, right? And then obviously I work for the Insight Report and we're just starting, but the liberal media in Canada, I mean, that's what dominates our culture. That's what influences everyone. And you don't have another side to the story. And so I actually listen to a lot of American um, kind of uh, smaller broadcasting organizations yeah. and uh, thought leaders, and they woke me up, but I haven't found that in Canada. Like, obviously we have Jordan Peterson, but that's our only really kind of prevalent figure that is speaking out about certain things. And so Yeah, through the COVID crisis, I mean, when one significant moment for me was when America's frontline doctors did a press conference in DC. And uh, there was one doctor, Dr. Stella Emanuel, and she was talking about her experiences treating patients with hydroxychloroquine. 
And I saw the next day after that press conference ended, how the media humiliated, ridiculed, and criticized these doctors and tried to make them seem like absolute lunatics. But when I listened mm. to that entire press conference, they made a lot of excellent points. And then after that, we had that Lancet Journal yep. scandal where they had right. completely falsified and fraudulent information to kind of prove their narrative. And so for me, it was like, if, if this um, reputable journal is, is accumulating all this fraudulent information to try and prove their own point, then like, what else are they lying about? And that made me really, really doubt the media, really doubt our government and really doubt West Western medicine, which I had already doubted since I was like 16, 17 years old. So yeah. Wow. So, you know, it sounds like, uh, which we talk about on the podcast, the political tyrannical matrix, right? Because there's multiple matrices. Some people have a red pill moment where they were on prescription medication through the medical matrix, right? That system of control in the medicine world. And they kind of realize, oh my gosh, maybe I should like, they, they have some psychedelic experience or something with shrooms. And then they're like, oh, I don't need these prescription medications anymore. And that's their awakening moment or something. Yeah. Uh, and th But for you, it was political. It's like, oh yeah, by the way, your whole life has totally changed now. You're totally locked down, you know, and for you personally, you're studying law and you were already kind of doing it online out of a, a school in the UK and things like that. Um, yeah. But just to see the total tyranny of lockdowns and all this seems like that was an awakening moment more so than anything else um, for you. Right. And, and you're Polish. It's in your blood to just totally refute any authoritarianism. It totally is. Absolutely. I think. It's, yeah, it's definitely in my blood to fight. And I'm so passionate about everything that's happening in this country and around the world right now. So absolutely. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. You said you're working for what, what, what's that broadcasting network you're working for now or, and uh, what is the future of all that? Yeah, so I work for the Insight Report and we are new and we're going to be hosted on a platform called uh, Mobile Pixel, Mobile Flow. And so we are like the news station that's going to be on that platform. And for us, it's important that we are uncut, unfiltered, that we do not paint anything to make it fit our own narrative. We let people speak and say what they want to say. We're willing to interview anyone who's interested in an interview and we will not cut or manipulate uh, our like filming in, in any way, right? So uh -huh. it's important to us to just be genuine, you know, in a world mm -hmm. where our media is so fake and so manipulated. And I don't say anything, I don't state my own opinion in those interviews, I do on my social media, but in those interviews, we just give other people the opportunity to speak and share what they know. Wow. And are, is this news reporting, or is this broadcast network, are they on social media right now? Are they banned already yeah. or? Yeah. So we are on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, but they did block us from posting on Instagram and Facebook. We were able to upload now, but we are realizing that we are being censored. Um, and there is certain people that have probably reported us because we, we keep getting notifications that, um, you know, we Your can't post upload is, or something like Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Co yes. Against community guidelines. Oh my yes. gosh. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, where else do people find that, that would you guys have like a telegram or any other way to like connect or website, a, a direct link probably? So the insight report does not have a telegram right now. I have a personal telegram, but we are going to expand. And obviously when the platform is up, people will be able to watch us on that platform. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. Okay. So then tell us what um, overall, like how, maybe not the whole story of Canada and the COVID thing, but you know, we know that Canadians, I look at it as, as an American, I just think of Canadians as kind of pushovers. 
uh, and just really nice people, you know, yeah. and it's like perfect uh, uh, breeding grounds for a communist authoritarian state to come in and take over. Right. Uh, that's how I've looked at Canada for years now. Um, and, you know, just the way they've done gun bans and everything else, it's just kind of been a shit show, honestly, a slowly degrading freedom, I think, overall. Um, and so what do you think, what do you think Canada, what is Canada doing now? And what, what have they been doing during the, the Canadian, or the, during the COVID crisis that you have seen has been probably the most atrocious in terms of tyranny? Um, first of all, I want to say, like, I, I don't want to insult Canadians, but you're absolutely right. Um, about everything you said. And I, I believe that uh, Canadians are very submissive. They're very, uh, many of them are very easily manipulated and they kind of just um, are willing to just give in to all the tyranny. Uh, so, Pardon, what was your question, the, the second one? Yeah. Well, I was just asking about Canada, right? And like, what, yeah. what, are the most, what are the most atrocities in terms of authoritarianism that you've seen during this COVID pandemic like at first it's locked down like we were i kind of think the whole world was on the same page for a second there but then some in, in the united states we had some states kind of realize that this was not as serious as people thought it was and and we started to slowly open back up but what has it been like for canada and what what, what do you think are some of the policies that are some of the worst yeah, so recently, actually, Alberta Health Services, I live in the province of Alberta, um, the Queen's Bench Division of the court has actually uh, set in an injunction where you cannot promote protesting and you cannot gather for protests, which obviously goes against our Charter of Rights and Freedoms and our freedom to assembly. Uh, so that you are at risk for being arrested and sent to prison for doing that. So that is quite atrocious. We had two pastors be arrested. One of them was imprisoned. The other one may be imprisoned. He was just recently arrested. Actually, he's in prison right now, but um, I don't know how long he's going to be there if they're going to release him in a matter of days. But one spent 35 days in prison. And this was just for hosting a, a church service, right? So they actually built a huge fence around his church and there's police guarding it and no one's allowed to go in there. And so it, to, it just keeps getting worse every single day, to be completely and, honest. And just in that that one thing, this isn't even just for the evil Christians not to meet and meet up at their church. Yeah. This is even if you threw a, a party, right? A barbecue at your house. I mean, can you even have a big 10 to fit 20 people at your house right now and for a nice barbecue? Right now in Alberta, we are only allowed to gather with a maximum of five people outdoors. Um, before it was, you know, if you lived alone, you could only have one visitor. If you lived with multiple people, you couldn't have any visitors. Uh, so it's it's totally tyrannical and, and evil what they're doing in this country. And how have they enforced these these laws? Are they laws or are these just like policies? How, how do they enforce this? And so they can give people tickets. Um, many people have tried to dispute tickets and have been successful. A lot of the tickets that were issued in Alberta were dropped. Um, but now, for example, with travel, uh, our courts have actually just uh, said that it upheld that it's justified to have people stay in a mandatory quarantine hotel for $3,000. And so people would return to the country and they would just refuse, refuse the quarantine, refuse the testing and go home where they were still required to do a mandatory 14 day quarantine. But um, now it's, it's unclear whether people will actually be able to dispute those tickets, which I find very concerning. Yeah. So and your border, you can't drive across the border in Canada. No. Tell us about that. 
So we can fly to the United States. We cannot drive across the border. And obviously, like I, I mentioned before, leaving Canada, you just need a test. But upon arrival to like when you're returning to the country, you have to spend $3,000 to stay in a mandatory quarantine facility. And so, and after that, the 14 days of mandatory quarantine at home and it's heavily enforced. So, yeah. Wow. It's crazy. Okay. And so what about, um, the, uh, the, okay. So when it comes to like the vaccine and the vaccine passports and all those things that are trying to roll out, um, two questions. Number one is what is your perspective on the, the vaccine overall, like the uses of it, whether you'll get it or not. Um, and, uh, just what you've learned about the vaccine, but then also following up, what is Canada doing about it? as a government, do you think that they're going to make it forced and mandatory to get it for every citizen? Do you think they're going to roll it out through corporations like America is trying to kind of do? Or do you think that the government's going to somehow mandate it in some way? What do you think about all of that? Yeah, so I personally will not be getting this vaccination under any circumstance. I've done in-depth research into it. I've listened to a lot of medical professionals. I've seen everything there is to see in the British Journal, Journal of Medicine, the American Journal of Medicine, PubMed, NIH, all of that stuff. And, you know, it, it's, it's a dangerous technology and they're not telling people that and they're not going to tell people that. So unless you are willing to do that independent research yourself and be open-minded, you're not going to know. And so there's, there's no circumstance that I will ever take it. And that is what is most concerning for me about Canada is because, you know, Trudeau flipped the switch and said, you know, we're not going to have vaccine passports. And now they're saying vaccine passports are to be expected. And I have people who message me and ask me what to do because their employer has already mandated the vaccine in order for them to be able to return to work. And obviously we're not gonna be able to leave the country without it or return to Canada without it. And, um, okay, go on, go on, please. Yeah, yeah, and for example, in Alberta, I did a video about this. We have the Public Health Act and there is you know, a section of that act where they say that during a epidemic or you know, if, if someone is um, even suspected of having a communicable disease, he can be detained and not released from that facility until he agrees to any sort of medical procedure that they require. And our provincial government promised us that they would remove that. I don't know if they have, it does not seem like they have. So mm -hmm. that, that's something it's, it's in our legislation. So that's very concerning as well. So, and then what do you think about the resistance in Canada? Um, you're out on the streets, you're out at these protests, you're trying your best to connect with some of the people who are resisting. Uh, how powerful do you think the resistance is there in Canada? And uh, is there actually a chance for Canada to like uplift these restrictions and get out of this? You know, I, I have some hope because when I look under Global News or CBC News article, which is our liberal media in Canada, or CTV, um, I see a resistance growing and people are beginning to fight back. But I'd say it's 50-50 with people who are kind of aware of what's going on and aware of the sinister agenda of all of this and people who are totally 100% brainwashed and lining up to get the vaccination as soon as they can. So I don't know. Personally, I believe that the resistance in Canada is very weak. Fortunately, in Montreal, they had a protest, there was almost 100,000 people. But the culture in, in Quebec is very different from the West, rest of Canada. I almost say they have a more European approach. 
versus in Western Canada, uh, people are just going about their daily business and I guess are waiting to see what happens. And there's a very small percentage of people that are really, really fighting. And I consider myself to be one of those people. I'm at every single protest and, and there's, you know, there's a couple hundred people there, but, you know, in a city with a million people, it's just not enough, you know? So then uh, what is the, like, so you say the Western part of Canada, it sounds like, it sounds like California for us, um, but yeah. there's this like super strong resistance there now. Um, and there's just a lot turning around in California. And even that's like the most left authoritarian that we could possibly have here in America. Um, and what do you think about people escaping to America? Like some of your friends and family or people that you know that have already come here to, to yeah. get out of there? Yeah, exactly. I actually know many people who have uh, left to Florida and I know more people that are selling their properties here and planning to leave to Florida as well. Um, Cause mm -hmm. no one, you know, no one wants to be coerced and forced to take an experimental non-FDA approved vaccination. Right. And obviously right. our government is printing ridiculous amounts of money. Like it was $400 billion last year. And even our central bank balance sheet increased by 400%, which is unheard of and is the most out of any country in the world. And so we're expecting a lot of, you know, inflation, hyperinflation, uh, a rise in property taxes. It, it's turning into a nightmare here, honestly. And people are, are, you know, if they haven't fleed already, they're considering to. Yeah. So that's kind of, it's just crazy. Cause, um, you know, I think that, uh, people need to realize that, uh, we talked about this just a second ago before this whole interview started, which was the fact that they're passing a new censorship bill, yeah. um in Canada which um can you update us on like what you may know about that so far or well I mean we're hoping it doesn't come to pass but basically you know they're they're saying here's where they manipulate a lot they say it's just to target you know certain um like uh in influencers online that have a lot more uh followers and that if they're in the kind of broadcaster category then they can put some restrictions on them but i think in reality if you look at the document and what they're proposing they really really want to control what all canadians see and what all canadians think so yeah and so yeah. i mentioned this as like people don't know this uh but there's a chinese firewall okay uh, it's this, it's the great wall of China. It's kind of a meme in a sense, because the Chinese have also developed a, an electronic internet firewall where they don't let their people like North Korea, North Korea is worse than China in terms of information coming in. But in, in China, they have the similar situation where they have an internet censorship firewall, where just like you said, it all started with like, oh, we're, we have our own internet kind of internet independence over there. And then mm -hmm. it turned into, oh no, we only allow certain things on the internet. So you you either uh, have to have like, they don't have a, uh, what's that word, um, a VPN, where you can go buy a VPN and like, and, you know, place your IP somewhere in Saudi Arabia and then research stuff online or whatever. They can't even do that. So the firewall in China is so enclosing that the design of the firewall is to limit the influence of the internet. Yeah. Because if the Chinese people were to see what Americans were doing and what Americans were up to, or, or even Canadians before COVID, right? Or like mm -hmm. what the Western world is up to and maybe what they even think about China, what they even think about, you know, uh, the slave labor or something like that or whatever. The, these Chinese people would probably start to revolt even, even more so than they are now. I mean, a lot of the Chinese people are rising up. But I think what Canada is trying to, uh, they're attempting to do is to enclose Canadians into a monolithic thought process of only that. Like, 
You yeah. can't even research. You can't even drive across the border to America. We're like a we year and two months after the pandemic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So you can't even yeah. go from your province province to another yeah, province. Yeah, there's checkpoints. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just under military tyranny and yeah. they're trying to put in information tyranny where the, you're, you're not even going to be able to not just speak to each other. But yeah. what's most important is you're not going to ever find out what's going to happen, what's happening in America or what's going on or our influence over the world, because the Internet won't even it'll be all this is what they want. The, the, the government coming in and doing this, and this is where libertarians have failed in their thought process of corporations, let let businesses do what they want to do kind of concept, because when you have a corporate fascist connection, government is going to come in and, and fill that void and put in uh, restrictions on commerce. And if that means the internet traffic, they'll do that. And yeah. they're going to build a firewall. People don't realize that that's, that is a part of a communist takeover, right? Like yeah. you just said, your grandpa, your grandpa was arrested for putting out anti-propaganda messages in Poland yeah. because the, and I've talked about this in my podcast a lot, which is the fear that the institutions of power have of the people is grand. They yeah. spend billions of dollars to influence the public, right? And yeah. it's sad because we watch the sheep walk right off of the cliff mm-hmm. in that uh, indoctrination, right? Yes. And so what I've been passionate about is, is explaining to people that you are all, you are the power. If enough people know enough about what's going on and genuinely has an interest in fighting it, uh, you know, on an individual level, then we can all rise up together. Right. Uh, yeah. But they're trying to they're trying their best to limit that our ability to do that. So, I mean, any thoughts from you on all of that? Yeah, I mean, like they want to make sure that Canadians are not critical thinkers. They want to completely block access to information. And, you know, I've seen all of these medical professionals be taken down off of social media and politicians being ticketed. And they they, to- they totally want to control the entire narrative and they don't want there to be any room for dissent at all and any way to research any information. That is totally true. And I believe that's exactly what is happening. So it's, it's truly terrifying what's happening in this country. And I, I, there is resistance from the conservative side to um, fight Bill C-10, but how successful we will be, I don't know, everything else tyrannical has come to pass thus far. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I will say this, um, like in California, they've recalled the governor there in California, right? But it wasn't, it, it wasn't a conservative movement. Uh, it was a liberal bipartisan movement to stop tyranny. Yes. Um, and so I think that a lot of the, hopefully anybody listening to this, who finds themselves as more of a classical liberal, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who maybe resonates with real freedom and real freedom of speech, kind of that old liberal saying, like I posted Tony Robbins saying this the other day on my Instagram about how Tony was saying, you know, liberal meant I'm going to, you know, fight for your right to say what you want to say, even if I disagree kind of thing. Yeah. And that was the true classical liberalism. And I think yes. that anyone who lives and exists in that world uh, or just a mother of a child who's not having a normal childhood because they have to wear a mask and they have to even either not go to school at all or go to school under all of these restrictions and social distancing and making them to be this like everyone's going to become. We already had a crisis of techno- technology and kids playing with technology, right? And uh, being sucked into uh, entertainment in terms of their iPad or iPhone or something, right? And we were losing that connection, that human connection for children growing up. That was already a crisis. Yeah. And today we have children believing that they're a bioweapon, 
that they are they are the germs and the germaphobes and the and the fear and the stupidity of their parents who are also afraid is just being projected down onto these children who honestly the psychological damage is uh tremendous we have no idea yet the kind of long-term effects that are going to be have uh, that are going to be uh seen later on uh so anyway what, what are your thoughts on some of that with the children and some of the other things that, that are going on yeah, I mean, I worry about the kids and, and how brainwashed they're going to be and how fearful they're going to be growing up. And obviously, it's it's so wrong what they're doing because kids have virtually a 0% chance of dying from this virus. And they're, you know, in my opinion, they're just torturing them in these schools. And they're so uh, harsh with them when it comes to the mask wearing. You know, you can't pull it down. They're, they're very... Uh, rude towards the the children that do have exemptions and it's 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 so sad what's happening to the kids and i had an interview with a woman who also you know told me about what's happening with babies and how the parents are always wearing masks and it's just like that's such a key element of development and developing trust and and becoming a normal sociable human being and it's like how are these kids going to grow up if they're required to be six feet away from each other at all times masked at all times you know they're not breathing properly eight hours a day in a mask like that like the, the amount of bacteria in there it's just putting them at risk for bacterial pneumonia so it's it's, it's so disgusting what they're doing and 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 so terrible yeah so um okay so i know you wrote some notes and some things that you wanted to bring up in this interview in this podcast in this discussion so i wanted you to reflect a little bit and just anything that we haven't discussed already like what would you like to bring up you know i just i just really hope that um americans can influence canadians and and that they will encourage us to build that type of resistance as well and to really stand up for our freedoms one thing that I think is interesting is, you know, during the American Revolution, all of the loyalists and all of the people who loved the crown and loved the king, you know, they went to Canada while the freedom loving individuals stayed in America. And I feel like that's generational, you know, the Canadians are, are kind of naive and, and they believe everything they're told by their government officials and they're loyal to their government officials versus I feel like in America, they prioritize freedom and civil liberties. And that's what I really hope that Canadians will learn from Americans, you know? Wow, yeah, that's so powerful. Cause I talk about this in uh, some of the writings and podcasts I've done is just explaining how the American revolution even happened and how really it was uh, a, a very small minority of people who even fought in the American revolution. During the time it was 70,000 was the, the largest a standing army, like the largest part of the American Revolution, George Washington's army at 70,000 was the peak of it when uh, the population was over 2 million, two and a half million or something. So that was only about even 3% of the population of America fought and defeated the most powerful empire in the world. 3% yeah. of the population. There's this uh, group here in, in America, they're called the three percenters. And they refer back to this concept saying, look, it doesn't take a majority of people to fight resistance and to fight tyranny and to make something different. It's always the minority. It is actually the minority. And um, everyone else is sheep, right? In that sense, in that sense. So they're, they're looking for leadership. This is so true in any books that you read, anybody who's into business or capitalism or, or entrepreneurship, you know that you're, you have to lead a team, you have to lead a company, you have to, so there's a lot of books on leadership. There's a lot of discussions around leadership, right? 
And the reason why that is, is because there are only a handful of people that can uh, make that commitment to leadership and to actually lead people. So, you know, most people are followers. That's not even a bad thing. It's just the way the world works. And yeah. so we have to promote leadership. We have to recognize leadership. Uh, we have to notice it and we have to uh, pr uh, promote it in a way that, you know, is not authoritarian. We don't want dictator leadership because like what we have in, uh, what we have in Canada or in America versus Canada is we have a Joe Biden. Okay. And <laughs> our, our wonderful president here in America, nobody actually likes him. He doesn't have a cult of personality around him. Yeah. Nobody, even the liberals who voted for him, they just hated Trump. Okay. Yeah. So they, they don't, they don't really care about policy. They don't really care about that. They were just manipulated enough to think that this guy, Joe is going to be the answer. Yeah. Nobody likes Joe. He, thankfully this is, this is Joe Biden has no political capital with Americans. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. He has him doing stuff is just, everyone's bitching about it. Like, cause nobody actually likes the guy and nobody likes what they're, what he's really up to and the lack yeah. of leadership. Right. But in Canada, the Canadians there love Justin Trudeau. They worship this guy, your prime minister. He's your prime minister, right? That's what it's called there. Yes. He's your yeah. head of parliament. And uh, so it's like, what do you think about that and how there's like this worship of Justin Trudeau and, and his policies and the things that he decides to do? You know, unfortunately, like he's, a lot of people think he's a good looking guy that dresses well. And, and yeah. that's what a lot of people, like that's really the main reason why a lot of people like him. Um, he's, he's not good at speaking. He's, he's not a good communicator. He's, he doesn't have any, in my opinion, any qualities that a, a good leader would have, but, um, a lot of Canadians love him. And I also feel like that stems from years of brainwashing in the education system. You know, if you throw out the words racism, uh, Islamophobia, xenophobia, uh, homophobia all the time, like people just snap, like buy into that immediately because that's what they've been programmed to believe. And that's what they have been programmed to believe is, is the moral, you know, the moral candidate, the moral person will talk about those things. Mm -hmm. uh, so conservative ideas are very, there is a lot of conservatives in Canada, especially in my province, but a lot of our viewpoints are demonized. So, yeah. Well, I mentioned this uh, as well. I was looking at France. Okay. So uh, recently this is like news. Okay. Uh, but the, there were about a hundred, uh, no, maybe more than that. Oh my gosh, I want it. Cause there was 120 generals and retired generals in America that just sent a letter to Joe Biden. Uh, but there was about a, over a hundred generals in uh, France who actually sent a letter to the French uh, parliament and the, and, the, and the president of France, uh, Emmanuel Macron, right? And they basically said, look, our country is on the brink of a civil war. Mm -hmm. And if you read the letter that the French general sent to them, you will literally feel like, that letter was written to your parliament, was written to your prime minister. You could actually say, if, if nobody knew, if you read that letter, it would sound like it was written to an American president and to an American Congress. Why yeah. is that though? They talk about Antifa. They talk about the anti-fascist movement in France and how there's these guys dressed in black running around busting businesses, you know, robbing stores, you know, who love communism. That's weird. We have the same thing in America and you guys have the same thing in Canada, right? Yeah. Then they, they talk about, um, they don't have BLM there. They have this, they use the, uh, because they're importing the third world. They're, they're importing Africans that are mostly Muslim. So they don't actually care about Muslims, right? Just like the, uh, the institutions of power 
don't actually care about black people, right? Mm -hmm. And what's actually happening in the black community. Yeah. They are using them as pawns. So the, the letter, the French generals in this letter write about racism and how they're, they're these policies of racism and colonialism, and they're just attacking French heritage. And yes, there's a ba bad past. Anybody, anyone knows this. If you harp on the past, just as a personal development, just generally, if you harp on the past and, or you're in, you're in some marriage or something with your partner and you're always talking about how they, you know, they made a wrong decision to 10, 10, 20 years ago. And you're just harping on that 20 years ago thing. And you're just, you can't get over it. It's like holding a grudge against them and there's no forgiveness. There's no true moving on. Clearly your relationship isn't going to be good, right? Well, yeah. that same tactic is being used on on history of all these nations, the history of all these countries that have dealt yeah. with issues, right? So the point is, is, is they talk about Antifa. They talk about this anti-racism concept in their country, in France. But that's the same thing that's happening here, right? Yeah. They talk about the COVID lockdowns over there. They talk about the, the vaccine and the, the medical tyranny. So it's like the, my overall point here is this. There is a globalist, institutional, policy-driven power that is looking to create what mostly people call a new world order, right? But they don't need a world government and a world court, even though they already have that with the United Nations, right? Yeah. They don't need that. All they need is control of the governments of all of these separate countries. And that is why all of these countries all over the world are having the exact same problems with the medical tyranny. And the one example I want to provide for all of you here is that the WHO, they put out these, this color-coded uh, system of infections in your area. And they basically say, oh, when you're in the purple zone, right? Oh, yeah. your infections are high. We have to lock down even more, right? Yeah. Oh, but if you get in the yellow green zone, you're gonna, oh, you can open up at 50% capacity. That's what, that's what they say, right? In these little documents. Yeah. Those documents are written by the WHO, but Canada, America, all over Europe, even on a county level, a local level, they adopted that exact policy of this color-coded system. But this is true for all kinds of policies, anti-gun policies, anti-racism policies, all these voter ID, like, like that's, a, that's a super racist, like that's a ridiculous, right? So mm -hmm. I think that um, I'm speaking to you as an American, but I'm talking to you as a Canadian. Yeah. And I'm like, look, we're having the same problems. We're dealing with the same tyranny. Mm -hmm. And we have to recognize that it is a global system that is trying to use its authoritarian control, right? And they use think tanks to develop these policies and then they, 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 it's a top-down system and then they implement them. And then your Canadian government will come out and say, we've come up with this nifty system to you know, do COVID. And it's like, no, actually you just really adopted that from the World Health Organization, right? But they wouldn't be willing to admit that because they wouldn't want Canadians to get upset about a world tyranny, right? And yeah. getting policy from a world government you know, institution, right? That's how Americans are. It's yeah. like, it's what we want in America, especially, and probably what you want is get a local government to come together and get the doctors and the people involved in your city, in your town, in your province, and let them speak out and, and, and let them 
maybe create an understanding of what's best for your province? What's best for your country? Why aren't Americans making decisions based on what's best for Americans? What can yeah. we do better? That's why mm -hmm. you have somebody like Florida and the governor there and all the stuff he's doing is like the antithesis of world government. It's like the yeah. opposite. And then what's, yeah. what's, what's over there? The, they're growing their GDP. They're economically strong. Everybody's working. Everybody's going to school. Everybody's happy. It's joy. It's prosperous. It's everything in the metric, even the statistical analysis of Florida is, is everything you want in a country. Yeah. But yet we don't follow that model. And so it's like, we need leaders like the floor, the Floridians over there to like lead us out of this. Right. And that yeah. goes for every state and then every province and on a local level and then on a national level. And this is what, this is, this is a rise in populism that's going on around the world. We're all yeah. going against globalism. So yeah. I just wanted to mention that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, for example, in Canada, our only anti-globalist leader is the leader of the People's Party of Canada, and he's not even a member of parliament, but he is the only political candidate that is fighting against this and calling it out for what it truly is. And he calls out the United Nations and he calls out the WHO and the CDC, and he talks about Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030 and all of these absurd plans that they have for us. But when it comes to people that are actually, you know, have power and influence, our conservatives and our liberals are on the same side. Nobody is against lockdowns on the liberal or the conservative side. In, in, in the political institutional. Yes, power. in the political yep. institution. And so, you know, we do not have a Ron DeSantis. A lot of us Albertans had hope for uh, Jason Kenney, our provincial leader. But even he's like, you know, we call him a sellout, right? So... Yeah, it's uh, we need our own Ron DeSantis and and <laughs> we don't know how we're going to get him. So hopefully, fingers crossed for Maxime Bernier and the People's Party of Canada. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, because somebody like a governor of Texas or governor of Florida, it's it's it was horrifying to like Dr. Fauci and these other people who love the lockdowns. Right. Horrific <laughs> to see that Florida and Texas release the mask. It wasn't because they were afraid of infections. That's not true. They were horrified because they realized that if Florida and Texas opened up, that's millions and millions of Americans be able to, you know, and there's, and I, and there's all these arguments happening on my Facebook because I'm a Texan and I had people kind of going back and forth, like, yeah, the mask doesn't even work. So it doesn't matter. Like this is all ridiculous. And then you have people like, I'm going to wear my mask forever. Like, oh my gosh, everybody's gross, you know? And I'm over here like, and then I see them debating and I'm like, why is, why are we debating? The people wearing the mask, they don't know any, they're sheep. They have no idea what's going on. So why, why are we worried about what they think? They're going to see like their girlfriend, Stacy at the club in two weeks without a mask, hanging out with all the good looking guys at a party and partying and having a good fucking time. They're going to want to be like Stacy, their followers, yeah. right? Their like, followers. Why are we worried about the mask thing? So that's why the Dr. Fauci's of our country were fucking horrified and other countries around the world were like, they're trembling because they're like, oh my God, if they find out that this whole thing is a hoax and they actually have freedom and there's a light on a shining hill, we have to stamp that out, you know? Yeah. And that's why there's all these attacks on Texas. As soon as they did that, by the way, there was that winter storm where it knocked out the power in Texas. Yeah. And mm -hmm. Not to be conspiratorial here, but it's just kind of like they are on a full on assault on Texas and Florida. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's wonderful because now Colorado, even who has a Democrat governor and then has a Republican state legislator and state Senate, you know, we're over here like a balanced government. And like our governor had to, he fell for the pressure 
And he was like, okay, uh, yeah, I don't think masks should be worn in these counties. So like he basically uplifted it for all the Republican counties, which is like all the mountain towns in, in Colorado. And then he's like, but for these city counties, you know, to, that are like dominantly liberal, he's like, we're going to keep the mask mandate. I don't know. So you can kind of see the, the wind is shifting. And I think that um, people on both Democrat, which I'm very excited for Democrats to run and run on a policy of freedom and true liberalism. I'm open to that, you know, especially when you have a Democrat run like government in your local level, you know what I mean? Like you can't really elect anyone else. Mm -hmm. So like you have politicians now trying to run purely based on medical freedom. Like I told you with Gavin Newsom, recalling Gavin Newsom, that wasn't Republicans doing that. That was liberal moms who were tired of their kids, you know, not having a normal life. That's what it was. It was a coalition of mothers. So the same thing is going to be true for all these politicians that are going to be sick and tired and they're going to finally be like, hey, I'm going to run for office and I'm going to make a real difference. And it doesn't matter what party they run for, as long as they're against medical tyranny, this is their big play. This is the globalist's big play on the world is this global lockdown and this re- great reset, right? The World Economic yeah. Forum and all of these discussions about how we're going to reset the financial system and all of these things. This is their big move. So yeah. I just don't see it working for them. I just see it as it's not working out. It has been a year and there are a lot of countries and states locked down, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's really working as well as uh, people think that it would be, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I feel like it's passing uh, more successfully in Canada because people really have bought into it here. A a huge portion of the population. So what are some personal experiences that you've had? Maybe like, have you not worn a mask somewhere and had somebody like say something to you? Or do you think that, yeah, as a personal, on a personal level, what do you think is happened to you? Yeah. So I don't wear a mask and, and it's so crazy that I don't see more people not wearing masks because it's truly not that difficult. You go in, you say you have an exemption. If they try and like uh, harp right. on you or anything, you just say, yes, I have an exemption. And I've had like, that happens to me all the time, but you just have to be that, you know, strong, confident person and, and not be afraid of that. I mean, it, it's so easy. And, and the, and if they're enforcing the bylaw, well, the bylaw says that like you have exemptions and you do not have to provide proof of that exemption. You do not have to, you can in fact sue them for that if they ask you for proof. And so it's so simple. It's so easy. And to see people just caving, that is what breaks my heart. But for me personally, it doesn't really get me down. I mean, I've had some funny experiences, but normally I just laugh it off because to me, this is so stupid, so absurd, so ridiculous that I can't take these people seriously, you know, like, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Okay. So in any closing comments, like any thoughts that you haven't, we haven't discussed yet that you'd like to maybe bring up? Yeah, I'm just grateful for this conversation. And actually, I was going to ask one thing because yes. uh, our provincial leader said that we cannot be like Florida or Texas because, unfortunately, in Texas and Florida, they you know didn't lock down or didn't have these intense lockdowns. But so many people died, and they had to suffer the consequences. I just wanted to ask you, as an American, like, is that true? What is true is that there was a health crisis in America uh, before COVID. Um, you had over 200,000 deaths from medical negligence in America. Um, just to give you some reference about 500,000 to 600 to 800,000, depending on the year die of cardiac arrest. So if 200,000 Americans die a year from medical negligence, meaning just mistakes, a misdiagnosis saying you have one thing prescribing things for that thing, but then killing people, uh, with prescription medications, I think there's over uh, some statistics show they don't they don't they don't cover this anymore. Just like they cut the COVID and the va- the vaccine deaths, the vaccine side effects. Well, big pharma they we don't do these we don't do the counts anymore on big pharma deaths. 
But the last count that we knew was about 600,000 people died a year from pharmaceutical drugs. Now, mind you, there's a lot of suicide and things like that that do occur from pharmaceutical drugs. Um, but a lot of it is just you took too much, you know, a milligram over, uh, you know, or that you took the wrong medication and it reacted, right? Because you've all those, you know, you know, those pharmaceutical commercials, right? Which big pharma funds most of the media, right? The media is literally just run by uh, pharmaceutical drug companies, the pharmaceutical drug industry. So my, my simple answer is that we had a medical issue all over America before COVID. And to think that wearing a mask and then going outside and smoking a cigarette on your lunch break is health, that's a problem. Yeah. Uh, if you take a vaccine and go get a Krispy Kreme donut, you might be a redneck. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> but you might be an idiot. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, if you think that's health, right? Yeah. Um, if you take a vaccine and continue to drink Coca-Cola and TV dinners, uh, like, uh, the frozen food you can cook in a microwave, Yeah, you know, you might be an idiot because that's not health. Okay. Yeah. So Texas is like, we have a overweight population. Okay. We have a lot of heart disease. Uh, we have a lot of fried food there. We have a lot of issues. So a little cold virus coming through is going to uh, sweep some people under the rug who are on their last legs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, because we have a lot of diabetics, uh, just a lot of pre-existing conditions, I think, in Texas and in Florida, for example. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, we've even had this discussion. Have they even isolated this virus before? Right. Do we even know if it's just influenza A, influenza B? Uh, mm -hmm. if this is very much that way. Right. Um, yeah. But at the end of the day, like you know, even, even if the numbers were real, uh, it's really nothing in comparison to the real medical issues, which are pharmaceutical drugs, killing people, which are uh, heart disease, uh, cancer. These are the health issues that our medical system has ignored and has, uh, uh, supplemented with prescription medic, more prescription medications to solve the problem, not actually going to the root of the illness. So obviously people who know the podcast, they know I'm a huge advocate for health and wellness. So, you know, I'm a healthy person. I supplement well, I eat well, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, I go on adventures. I get some fucking vitamin D and some sunlight, you know, get a nice tan. Look at mm -hmm. you, you know, you got a nice tan going there and that's health. Like, yeah. look, me and you, we're, we're like, I'm not saying we're the epitome of health, but I mean, we're healthy. You're not vaccinated. You're not trying to get sterilized. <laughs> I'm not Absolutely trying to not. do that. I'm not trying to do that. So yeah, I think that, um, it's, 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 you're, you're, uh, who was it? The, the guy who said that, whoever, what, what position does he hold? Uh, our, uh, Jason Kenny, our provincial leader. Yeah. Your provincial leader is just terrified he was horrified when he heard that the mask mandate was uplifted in a private room, talking to his wife, watching the news. He was horrified when he saw that they were uplifting that mask, because if Texas can do it, if Canada could just censor all of the internet coming from Texas and all the concerts we're having and all the, all the good times we're having over there, yeah. they would do it. They would they do would it, do it yeah. because they would try to make sure that people realize. And, and, and let's put all the politics aside for a second. When do we all get to have fun again? right? When do we just get to have a barbecue with our family and friends? That's not liberal or Republican. That's not conservative yeah. or liberal. Like that's just being happy and being joyful and relationships and friendships on average have also declined over the last few decades. 
statistically speaking, in the 80s, people had about 3.2 friends that they could confide anything to. Today, or well, as of a study in 2012, it's only about 1.1 friends. Yeah, It's a fraction because it's a statistic. Meaning that there are people right now in this world that have zero friends to talk to about anything. Mm -hmm. There are people in this world that have no one to share, no one to confide into, no one they can trust. And then you have COVID. A, a relationship and community destroyer. That is a psychological and fundamental problem that you do not do to societies. Coming together and going to a bar or even, and I don't watch too much sports now, but like even watching a sports game and coming together on something like that is a healthy situation, right? So overall, this is the kind of thing that uh, we all need to realize is when do we all get to have fun? Why does everything have to be political? Let's get out of the politics of it and realize that your life is being zapped up, right? Me and you talked about your life, right? And like, I'm like, you're like watching me work out at the gym and you're like, oh my gosh, that sounds so awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. That's totally normal for me. I just got a gym down the street that I work out at, right? Yeah. And then I'm over here, like I have huge parties at my house. I had like 30 people at my house on Monday night for my brother's birthday. I would be arrested in Canada if I did that, right? Yeah. Do people not realize how stupid that is? I mean, there was a press release recently. Uh, I think it was Global News or something. They said that there was a man who hosted a party and now he could potentially be charged with manslaughter. So did you hear, did you hear what she just said? I want you to think about that for a second. Guy hosts a party. And because he has people gather, he could be charged with manslaughter. That's what Derek Chauvin was charged with, or he was going to be charged with. They got him for murder, mm -hmm. that which was a whole nother, a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, I want y'all to think about that. We live in a world where if you throw a party, you could be convicted of manslaughter. We're fucked. <laughs> Unless well, we turn this around. Yeah, well, Canadians think it's justified because this is such a deadly virus that's, you know, knocking everyone out and uh, which obviously isn't true. Over what happened to choice? Yeah, I mean, what happened to I want to just go and have fun. I'm willing to people risk their lives every day in the car. People risk their lives. They they I sign a waiver when I go and go rock climbing. You know, I signed a waiver to be at a trampoline park, you know, like two days ago. I signed a waiver to shoot foam arrows at my friends at a little, a little thing called archery tag. I had to sign a waiver saying, if you're injured, we're not liable. This is for fun because yeah. it's fun. The most dangerous, riskful things in life can be the most, the most entertaining. I just bought a mountain bike on Sunday night that I could die on that thing. I could be permanently injured on that thing, but guess what? I want to go down a mountain on a bike. Yeah. Well, and they guilt thing, trip yeah. you, right? They say it's like you're going to kill the elderly, you're going to kill someone else's family member. So how dare you host a party and do something so selfish, you know? So it's they're always um, 
you know, saying it's, it's selfish and it's in order, you're like a murderer, basically. They're convincing everyone of that if you do something like that. And they've brainwashed people into believing that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But then they're not murderers if people die from taking a biological, experimental biological agent. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you can't so. say anything bad about that vaccination or you'll be wiped off the internet as well. So yeah. I can't wait till they, till they start arresting people for that as well in Canada, spreading misinformation about vaccines. Yeah, that's uh, an incredible. And I'll make a prediction for all of you listening right now. This is a public relations disaster. Okay? In the next six months, everyone's going to realize that this vaccine was the worst decision that they made personally, and that it was the worst decision that the politicians made. And the reason I say that is because right here in this document called the SPARS pandemic 2025-2028 is out of Johns Hopkins, okay? And they openly talk about how eventually the vaccine is going to have so many side effects that everyone's going to link. They're going to link it to the vaccine. Yeah. It says that there's going to be so many side effects that the, the CDC in our country, that's the health department here. Uh, and that the, you know, the, the politicians who push the vaccine are going to be basically blamed for all the side effects. This isn't a Johns Hopkins document that was written in 2018 about, about a sparse pandemic, a potential you know how they run these simulations in these think tanks? They do that so that they can know what to do when these kinds of things are rolled out, okay? So in these documents, it openly says that the vaccine is going to be a PR disaster. And it's going to be, and they say it's going to be mothers. For some reason, they say it's going to be mothers, Muslims, and African-Americans that are going to lead the movement against the vaccine. That's why they've been targeting BLM. That's why they've been able to target religious groups and be like, oh, they're the problem. Literally on MSNBC, we've had hosts on our news station say it is, it is white male conservative Christians are the problem in this country when it comes to this vaccine. It's like, are we the problem or are we the solution? Are we trying to help them wake up? So they're targeting us. And now we have all that going on now. We have in our country, we have people put on no fly lists because they were at a protest in DC on January 6th. No fly list, like a terrorist. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we have a lot going on and, uh, look, me and Alex are going to do more podcasts and discussions, probably start our own show together or something. Yeah. Uh, And so there'll be so much more, I think coming from both of us and, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm so happy. I think a lot of things that she shared today on the podcast were valuable for the audience. Uh, you guys need to know how bad it is in Canada and you need to just know that if we don't fight here in America, uh, you know, we could end up like Canada. Canada's probably like a couple years ahead of us, you know, in terms of tyranny. So we've got to do this together as a team, right? Absolutely. Any closing thoughts from you? I think you wrapped that up really well. Nice. Alrighty, very cool. So Instagram, uh, we'll piece you out. Thank you for watching. I'll post this whole thing. Uh, and then if you're still watching, I'm going to upload this on Matrix Breakers. So Matrix Breakers podcast. If you look that up, go look at the most recent uh, podcast. And that's th- that'll be the uh, interview I just did with Alex here. So really, really excited to have that. I'm going to say peace to the Instagram. Let me say that. And then to the, uh, uh, to the podcast. Um, 
yeah, much love to everybody. We'll put her links in the description so you guys can follow her on Instagram. If you're still listening and you follow me on Instagram, hit me up. I will send you like her profile directly and probably be like promoting her some more and her work because what she's doing benefits us in America and it benefits the world. And she's somebody really special. So any thoughts from you? No, just thank you for all those compliments. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to do more segments with you too. All righty. Absolutely. Okay, guys, have a great rest of your day. Peace. Bye.